but yes, yeah, to uh, to answer your question, uh, M- Miller and McNiven's nemesis through the Icon Comics label, uh, who is it for? I don't think it's me. Yeah. <laughs> and and I'm saying this is someone who read it in like 2009 or wherever the hell it came out. Like, do you know it, what nemesis means? Righteous <laughs> infliction of oh, retribution manifested oh, by him. <laughs> buddy, the, I had I had so like I did not I don't want to go through and nitpick uh anything to death. Like that's not really what we try to do per se, but like when there are things that start to like pile up, like those teeny tiny things, you're like, Oh wait, that this is a house of cards. And if, uh, if this, if this doesn't quite seem like it's going to be a good base, uh, this whole thing might come toppling down, uh, the slightest sneeze. And that's kind of what using logic whilst (laughs) reading this book will do. Um, there was uh, one like straight up one line in particular in it, which I uh, will, will, will buzz through. Uh, but I was like, what? No, that you, you should you, probably introduce the show at this point. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to, I'm okay. just saying like, it, it was, it was just so, uh, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll introduce. Let me. The Dorkening and all affiliated shows are not intended for anyone under the age of 18. The following may contain discussions or scenes that have adult situations, graphic violence, nudity, strong sexual content, and graphic language. This show is intended for mature audiences only. Viewer discretion is advised. Kids, it's time to check out the Dorkening Podcast Network. With over 30 podcasts that encompass everything from horror to video games to comic books, and so much more, you're bound to find the shows for your taste. Whether it be Nerds of Unusual Origin, That Strange Show, Retro Red Octopus, Splash Pages, Throwdown Thursday, The Horror Squad, Still Token with... My God, man, I can't read all of these. So just feel free to play and experiment with the Dorkening Podcast Network. There are over 30 shows chock full of nerdy goodness to sink your ears into. And they're all available on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever fine podcasts are broadcast. Leo's a fucking pussy that couldn't hang. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. He had a he had a really busy, busy weekend. Um, but yeah, hey everyone, this is Comics Paradox, the podcast in which we talk about, discuss, and dissect all types of different alternate reality stories, uh, such as Elseworlds from DC and What Ifs from Marvel. Also covering story arcs from uh, from any number of publishers, uh, as well as like full on series slash limited series. 
Um, you know, I, I am powerful Brandon, one of uh, a few co-hosts that we have regularly. Uh, and, uh, one, one of, one of our, one of our ilk is, is not with us tonight. I, I had mentioned, uh, Leo, he, uh, he was in Maryland for, for a big convention down that way. Uh, so after a, a very busy weekend and having to drive both to and from, uh, regarding his, uh, his residence in Connecticut, uh, he's, he is a, a very, very sleepy boy. So <laughs> we said, yes, Leo, please, please go, go nap and relax. And we will handle this absolutely stupendous masterwork of comicdom. Sounded ourselves. like he was going through con crud. Yeah, it, probably. I mean, there's a new friggin' strain of friggin' COVID-19 out there too. Uh, but oh. enough of that palaver. Um, but also joining me, as ever, is Mr. Justin Cooper. Say hi to everyone, Justin. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> no, so... you're not hearing double. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So, like I said, this the book that we're talking about this week is uh, Mark Miller and Steve McNiven's Nemesis. Um, and it is predicated upon the, the preponderance. What if Batman was a cunt? That is, that is a direct quote from Mark Miller regarding what the, the basis of this, uh, this whole story is. Um, and as a concept, I think I think it uh yeah it it definitely is interesting uh in execution it reads exactly like that like <clears throat> your description is exactly what I'm like yep that checks out yeah it's um yeah I mean our last our last episode covered wanted by Mark Miller um, or as I, I, I feel like I should start referring to him, uh, Sir Mark Miller, Lord of Edge, because <laughs> the, this fucking dude, like, it, it's it's just everything is just big and explosive and doesn't really settle upon anything that can sensibly move the story forward there's lots of logic faults in this one and uh yeah just the i mean i i personally once again at the top of this i will i will honestly say like i read this when it first came out and i didn't i i've never really minded mark miller um i think you know uh, at this point he had had wanted which i i i think especially when that came out i was more in love with the idea behind it than what the actual characterizations or lack thereof in that story were uh and kick ass uh shortly after that which definitely had a lot more heart uh but you can still see like a through line, especially with some of this stuff where 
he was uh, really just going for like the big blockbuster bangs for as much as he could in, in any of these. And I don't know if part of it was just like a lack of actual written direction in the scripting of some of these things, but it just does kind of like jump from one thing to another with uh, very little implication or, or anything for, for what's about to follow. It read to uh, you like a little bit like a Deadpool comic, like um, a little bit like an but, unshepherd Deadpool, but without the but without the humorous like meta textual. Oh, definitely, yeah. Um, like approach. There's no subtlety, and, and I think we talked about that too. He's like, he's like uh, immune to subtlety. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's as subtle as a fucking jackhammer, you know. Uh, it, it, I. I, you know, it's, it's, it's just, I'm not trying to tear anything down. You know, if you are a full blown Miller fan, then, you know, Hey, this'll, this'll likely do it for you in all honesty. Um, for me, his character though, like, like nemesis reads exactly the same way as Wesley, like towards the end, like you, you can't distinguish them differently. You're like, Oh, is this character, this person, he sounds exactly like him. Yeah, and that's uh, there's there's more than just that similarity, especially as once you get towards the end of the book, uh, and and you know we'll 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 get there. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'm gonna throw the the comic up here. Uh, okay. So this is Nemesis issue one. Uh, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spend a whole lot of time. Uh, pouring over each page or anything. I'm not Leo. I don't need to. The art is great, though. I, I do want to say that I'm a big fan of Steve McNiven. And there's other stuff, too. Like, if you look at the architecture and cars and the way he draws guns and, and everything, it's really sharp looking. Oh, yeah. One, 100%. Um, what is going What is? Oh, I'm on. <laughs> like, like, what is happening here? I'm, I got my cursor on the wrong page. Oh, my God. Um yeah, his his artwork is, it's it's great. Uh, I have no real problem with it at all, especially especially in this book. Uh, he he's he's very talented, uh, and and the colorist did a did a great job with a lot of the shading and what have you in this book as well. Uh, however, the story like it doesn't it doesn't all line up, doesn't all s- support itself. Um, and just, I mean, to give you a clear idea, Mark Miller redid this book just a couple of years ago. I mean, like literally like two years ago, um, they even mentioned COVID-19 in it. That's how recent it was. I read it. (laughs) I've, I've read, uh, I read the first like couple of issues of it earlier today after i i went through this again and i was like yeah you know what i i just oh, don't want shit you didn't get to the last page of the last book no so don't okay. mention it please oh, I, and that's, that's why so I, I mean stuff like <laughs> stuff like that is why i didn't want to uh finish reloaded because i wanted to talk specifically about this book um and i mean it, it's it's a bit telling that the writer of the creator of the original story was like, yeah, I should probably 
like do this story again and you know hopefully make it uh actually like better actually i wouldn't even go so far to say better i would say good um this this story with uh the, the character of nemesis um it does a couple of things that that i i just uh don't particularly like when anybody does in any medium whether it's comic books television movies whatever um and the the premise as i said is like you know miller in interviews and what have you and in some mock-ups it, it was you know what if batman was a cunt and then it, it started being said like what if batman was the joker uh and dc kind of uh pushed back not not in a, an official capacity they didn't like take him to court you know mark miller had a good working relationship with dc comics uh and you know some people that he knew in legal just like kind of reached out and were like hey can you maybe stop saying that because it's uh it's just not doing what you think on our side and we really don't want to have to like do anything about this in court and he's like yeah nope completely understand not a problem we will we will stop saying that um it was uh but yeah, like some people think that it was it was flat out that he was gonna get sued, and and that wasn't the case at all. It was it was actually pretty pretty amicable, pretty affable. Um, has, has McNiven done anything with DC that you're aware of? Because I I know he he did cross gen with Mark Wade, you know, and Ron Mars and all that. But um, I besides like the stuff he did for Marvel, I don't recall him doing anything in DC. Um. I don't think so. I know he did Old Man Logan with Miller. Yep. Um, let's see, Crossgen. Yeah, it doesn't look like he's done anything with DC. It's all been it's all been Marvel and and Crossgen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. it. Interior work, Crossgen and Marvel, and then cover work is all it's Marvel and Dynamite. Oh wow. Yeah, cover work. It's, he's it's, he's so it's, talented. Oh, okay. He he yeah, and he uh he also did a cover for Mark Miller again uh for Superior Number Two. Oh, okay. Uh, so that's Image, yeah. right? Or is that uh, Icon? Icon. Okay. Icon, yeah. Um, Icon was. I mean, it was a, sort of a, a Marvel imprint. Um, and the vast majority of work that was that was actually published through icon was done by either Brian Michael Bendis or Mark Miller um, with a, a, an occasional thing by Ed Brubaker. Oh, is that where like criminal came from? That's exactly where. Gotcha. It came okay. From. Yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah. you know, for anyone listening, if you know comics, you'll, you'll know what we're talking about. And if you don't know comics, I have no idea why you showed up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just in the nicest way possible. Well, they want to talk about Space Ghost. Uh, I, I mean, Nemesis. So, <laughs> he, so, so to describe him, he's got a completely white costume, right? With no I'm going to take you out, Chief, Chief Ten-Piece Chicken McNobody. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, instead of having, like, the black hood for Space Ghost, it's white. So that's the closest thing I could think of uh, is that he looks yeah. like an all-white space ghost. Yeah. 
It's it's very much Batman's costume, the cowl, the cape, just no pointy ears, and it's it's all white, no yep. discernible emblem on the chest or anything. Uh, and it looks fantastic. So. It, 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 I mean, it's a very. I do I do appreciate the uh, visual representation of somebody who is basically just supposed to be the world's only super criminal, uh, and. The fact that he is dressed in all white, which is, you know, always associated with like cleanliness and purity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this guy is uh, uh, an incredibly twisted fuck. Like, yeah. And he's not hiding from anybody. No, at all. Um, he is. He is like kind of worst case scenario for the Joker. Like he's if the Joker had had a a. a prescription for fucking Adderall you know he just kind of like the Riddler from one bad day that we did for Dark Knight yeah yeah uh, it, it, he's he's clearly very smart um, and also very physically gifted like he is obviously trained like he he's he's life he can move he can take hits he can he can dole them out I mean at one point in this, they're like, there must be a hundred men here. He's like, uh, I count 97, but I'll be fine. <laughs> you know, like, and he just goes in and wrecks a bunch of folks. Um, and uh, this, this all, this all starts off. He's in uh nemesis is in Tokyo. Uh, and it starts off saying player one, Tokyo. Uh, and we see that he's got some uh, police inspector, uh tied up on a chair and they uh as they're wherever it is that they've they've tied him up and and they've clearly beaten the crap out of him uh there's a bunch of people that like a SWAT team go in and at a hotel and where they think this inspector guy is there's just a bunch of barrels of chemicals with timers and it blows up the hotel and it comes crumbling down in the heart of Tokyo and all kinds of destruction and devastation. And uh, that's when, you know, Nemesis is just like, oh, you know, they probably should have checked the source on information for you being in that hotel room, huh? Hmm. And uh, the the inspector's just like, you asshole, you bastard. And, you know, and then uh, Nemesis is like, well, you know, I told you you were going to die at 1035. And, uh, it's on the card I sent, and well, the train doesn't come for another twenty seconds. And the guy's like, "Train? What train?" And as he's saying this, we see that they're actually standing on train tracks. And just as the inspector asks about a train, uh, Nemesis is stepping off the track with two of his henchmen, and he goes back against the wall, please, gentlemen. And the guy's just like, "Oh my god." You son of a bitch, you evil little cock, I fucking... And then he is just turned into liquid by the train smashing into <laughs> him. And uh, the train just keeps on going. And uh, the henchman's just like, hilarious. I love it when their last words get interrupted. To which Nemesis <laughs> responds, oh, this isn't finished yet, my friend. There's still one final detail. That hotel we hit had a train line behind it. Don't you remember? The death death toll can't be accounted for another eight seconds. And that's when we see the train 
fly off where the bridge going into the hotel used to be, but they just blew it up. So now it is going full speed careening downward. So hundreds of people are now going to die. So yeah, it's uh, not a, not a great day to be a, a public transportation commuter in Tokyo. That's for sure. Uh, and that's when nemesis is just like, you know, I think, uh, everything's kind of worked out well here. And they make mention like, Oh, the, you're the world's only super criminal. Like, Oh, thanks. Exposition henchman. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, nemesis says, I think it's time for me to go to America. There's a policeman in Washington whom I've long admired as a worthy opponent. And that's when we see player two, Washington, DC. This is the only time in the entirety of the comic that player one and player two, anything like that, it being a game yeah. is mentioned. I, and, I actually missed that when I read this. Yeah. Um, it's, it doesn't appear at any other point. You may as well have just not put player one or player two. You know, I just like, like to point out too, that these are not shotgun wounds that are going here. And the guy is clearly holding a shotgun. So oh, <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like, like, oh, okay. You know, I know that's, that's, that's nitpick, but, yeah um and that's where we're, we're we're introduced like uh there's this you know pretty big deal hotshot police guy in washington dc and he just stopped some kind of hostage situation in 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 the city um and uh, his name is blake morrow chief blake morrow and as he's coming out of the store um after talking with uh his his like number two uh sergeant lee um, he's approached by a couple of guys from seemingly the FBI and, uh, you know, they're, they're letting him know like, Oh, you know, your life may be in danger. Have you heard of nemesis? And he's like that cop killer guy in, in Japan. And they're like, well, not just Japan, just, just Japan. He's kind of been all over Asia. Uh, but he just had this big attack in Japan and, uh, you know, that's why we worried. And he has a, they have a card that says his name, Blake Morrow, March 12th at midnight, flatline still counts. And uh, they make mention, and they're like, add the fact that you're a family man and a practicing Catholic and you're everything he loves to humiliate. He equates decency with pomposity, chief. He strikes at people he regards as vain. Um, so, you know, thank you, agents exposition. Yeah, exactly. Must be related to that henchman we saw earlier. <laughs> and uh, that's when the chief is just like, oh, well, I guess I'm not going to get to go hang out with my 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 Mensa buddies because he makes mention in passing of like getting together with a bunch of like mathematicians and stuff like that. So he's clearly like a really smart guy. And uh, he says, oh, you know, uh, I need uh, I have a meeting of my inner circle order 14 Americanos and a green tea for Casey Mitchell. She's given up caffeine for Lent and Donna, would you call my regular florist and order a bunch of large Casanova lilies to cheer my wife up, please? Why? What's wrong with her? Oh, I'm placing her in protective custody. She's going to be mad. <laughs> like, all right, cool. Uh, we, we, we see that air force one is, is, uh, in the sky flying over a city, a city. And, uh, Nemesis is yeah enter enter out. drone number one yeah Nemesis is on the wing of the plane and not like cool Twilight Zone nightmare twenty thousand feet there's something on the wing 
he's clearly there to do some really bad stuff and it's not just pulling wires out of a out of a panel and he he's just he's just on the plane like it doesn't it doesn't make sense no, at no, all no. yeah like we see him just walking along like the air drag wouldn't throw him off the speed nothing it i don't like it it it, it it, it looks cool. That's that's about it. Like, oh, wouldn't this be cool? Like, yeah, okay. I was 13 once too. Yeah, there, uh, there's not even like a line on him or anything like that. Like nothing. Like he's just yeah. You at the very least you would think maybe some kind of fancy boots or something, you know. No, nothing. Nothing at all. Not even that, a mask. That's so kind of lazy, breathe. I think. Like oh, very I mean, it's not kind of, it's very lazy. Yeah. It's incredibly lazy. Um, and then they're all you know, the, the secret service agents and everything in there. They, oh, uh, there's somebody on the roof. I can hear him running around. <laughs> what? Uh, you know how thick planes are, man? No, you don't hear that running around. But regardless, um, the one of the guys is like, buzz the pilot, get him to tilt the plane, do it now. And that's when we see the pilots in Nemesis has a gigantic white gun pointed towards the pilot and he says through outside of the plane mind you where there's no way anyone could hear him he says don't even think about it fuckhead and then he proceeds to shoot the pilot and co-pilot in the head through the glass yep like the windshield um and then the next thing we see is nemesis inside the plane trying to pull up and keep it from fully crashing uh really would love to know how he got in there and why he's able to uh get in there without the whole inside of that that uh cockpit being in absolute disarray because the the speed alone would would just regard it's just not it's not great um and he's flying through a city and he's hitting buildings he he lands the he lands the plane uh down like a main street and then makes his way towards a tunnel it slides in the wings break off and of course right at the end of the tunnel is a side sideways gas tanker which um <laughs> like just just there no reason for it to be sideways like that whatsoever and directly in front of the gas tank is a woman with her young child that sees the plane sliding towards them and just goes oh my god and then there's just a big explosion what like none of that makes sense it, like it it was only done because like oh this will be cool if it, we'll be fine as long as nobody thinks about it um, and it, it's just, it's terrible. I understand, you know, this whole thing, Nemesis, he, he goes from here and he makes a big announcement, uh, televises it, you know, takes over the airwaves and says like, oh, hey, uh, I, I kidnapped the president. You know, that's, yeah. that's the end of the, the first issue. And, uh, the problem here, like, 
if he wants to kidnap the president and and everything, that's that's fine. I understand part of this is it's supposed to be like, oh, it's not just it's not like a deconstruction of superheroes per se, but just like also like a deconstruction of society. Like, okay, fine. But there's a cool part about that, like later towards the end that I like. Yeah. But, but yeah, um it's it's super problematic. And like you said, like a logic bomb just erases all of this stuff. Be like, hey, yeah. remember science? No, I swear. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's 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 enraging to me. Um, the the whole thing with with doing this, I mean, the the showing up on the plane, the being inside of it all of a sudden, uh, and then landing it and just going to the tunnel, and there happens to be a tanker there, so we can maximize the carnage. Uh, it seems very needless and there's no way you could have actually planned for any of that to go correctly like well enough that he would survive it just not if he was in the homelander it might make more sense you know yeah because he has superpowers and he wouldn't have to worry about being hurt but yeah i just i didn't i didn't dig on it um then we get to chapter two and it starts it tells us like oh the childhood home of matthew anderson 20 years ago and uh, we see police led by Blake Morrow. And uh, he's like, oh, uh, Mrs. Anderson, I'm afraid we need to speak with your husband. And there's a bunch of people, uh, including her, they're like kind of having a masquerade and, and doing like a 17th, uh, I'm sorry, not 17th, uh, 18th century type deal where all kind of wearing like powdered wigs and what have you. Is it a cotillion? <laughs> uh, I don't think it's a cotillion. But, jeez. Oh, I never yeah. get to see cotillions. It never happens the way I wanted to. You had your chance at the cotillion. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, they, they, go, they go to his office to speak to him, and uh, they find him in, you know, we just see his lower extremities, but he has hung himself. We see his, the shadow of the rope on the wall as they walk in. Uh, and Blake Morrow turns around to one of the officer policemen, and he's just like, get the boy out of here now. And that's when we uh, we get some, uh, you know, a, a narrative box, and it's Nemesis, and he, he says, my parents have been running a hunting club for 15 years involving teenage runaways and rich friends. The scandal ripped our lives apart. I lost everything and was adopted by my father's saintly brother when he took control of our billion-dollar electronics empire. Bored shitless with his endless choir practice and impeccable manners, I ran away and traveled the world, learning at the feet of its magnificent bastards. By 12, I was a gang lord. At 15, I was Asia's largest drug exporter. At 23, I headed a Zoroastrian death cult and was finally ready to honor my mother's dying wish. <laughs> like... All right, uh, we get it. You're evil, Batman. Like, oh, a Zoroastrian death cult. Yes, yes, yes. I have also heard of the League of Assassins. Stop it. <laughs> I mean, that seems to me what the illusion was. That that it was. It was. You know, he was like, oh yeah, I stepped in, and you know, I, I took over from this this like I don't know some guy that liked to suck the devil's dick. His name was the Demon's Head. Yeah, I just said he liked to give head to demons. What? <laughs> We said the same thing. Talk about uh, one bad day. Oh, 
Sorry, wrong wrong show. Sorry, sorry. (laughs) And uh, we see his mother uh, strapped to an electric chair uh, and says, I want you to destroy that clever policeman, my darling. Blake Morrow is the one who stopped the champagne. Thus, Nemesis was born. All those other cops just practice. Ooh, you're such a badass nemesis. <laughs> and uh, we see his version of a bat cave. Uh, it's all very white and uh, clean and sterile looking. Um, Looks a lot like a bat cave. Yeah, I mean, he's got he's got like a bat computer, a bat. Pl- I mean, I'm sorry, a nemesis computer and nemesis plane. Um, a Sega they- nemesis. Second nemesis. <laughs> Can't do this with Nintendo. Nemesis does. Um, a scoot, so, super scopes. Uh, super scope six. Yeah. <laughs> he will have one in in uh, future issues. So, and uh, of course the obligatory uh, giant pile of loose cocaine on a table with straws and razor blades nearby. You know, just for. Couple snooters here and there, apparently. Like, my sinus is bothering me. Let me, let me just rail a bump <clears throat> ah, until he oh. runs into a young Mick from uh, Australia <laughs> who decides to help him by putting it in a big pile. Oh, it's not falling off. I help your sinuses at all. You got to do it like this. Thanks. <laughs> like, what? Thanks, man. You just, you just ruined about ten thousand dollars worth of cocaine. Did I? Eh. Well. I'm, it was worth so much, he should have been paying more attention to it. <laughs> oh, Crocodile Dundee. And thus, we've compared Nemesis to a uh, <laughs> 80s classic. Beloved Crocodile. 80s comedy hero. <laughs> uh, oh, Paul Hogan. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, we move along. We find out that um, he's just trying, Nemesis trying to think of riddles to stump Morrow. Uh, and Morrow ha- has actually been friends with Matthew Anderson's uncle for many years. Uh, he he runs the Anderson Foundation, which they've spent a lot of money trying to make up for his brother's uh, atrocities against those those runaways. You know, where they you know did the whole the hunt thing. You know, man is the most dangerous game kind of deal, and. Uh, then we we get to the Pentagon, and we see that Morrow's there with like a, a essentially a think tank of uh, upper you know top brass, and uh, you know he's he's saying you know we need to we need to get this that and the other thing, and uh, he he says to this one guy, call the White House and get authorization for a citywide wiretap. You can also tell supplies we need fifty thousand tracking devices, and the guy's like. No problem, boss. You want fries with that? <laughs> Morrow's like, excuse me? He said, I'm still head of Homeland Security, asshole. You haven't got my job just yet. Uh, to which I will say, you know, it was kind of nice seeing the, like, the attorney, I mean, the, uh, blah, blah, blah. my God, the, what Secretary the of Defense. Sec- Sec- thank you, Secretary of Defense. Uh, step in. He's like, grow up, man. Like, we're in the middle of a national emergency Focus your attention on the things that matter, like the clues he's been sending. Uh, and apparently the most recent riddle was what's black and white and red all over and knows how, and how does it relate to a gas attack? And red is spelled R-E-A-D, not R-E-D. 
And, uh, you know, someone's like, oh, I think it's a newspaper office. He's like, yeah, his clues are usually a little bit more obscure. There's always a weird extra twist. Like, oh, what do you think, chief? And Morrow's like, it's the Pentagon, the building they're in right now. And, uh, you know, Lee, is it Lee? No. The, the other guy? Yeah. Is yeah, it his part? Yeah. 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 Yep. Um, he, and he's like, what? He goes, our biggest selling newspaper is the Washington Post. And this makes no fucking sense. Exactly. Right oh, my no, God. I fucking hate it. It makes no sense. The Post was founded in 1877. And in numerological terms, one plus eight plus seven plus seven all adds up to the number five. No, it doesn't. It adds up to 25. It adds up to 25. I don't understand what he thought he was doing with this with this dialogue. Like literally one yeah. plus eight plus seven plus seven. One plus eight is nine plus seven is 16. Actually, it's not even 25 plus seven is 23. It comes out to 23. How does that all add up to the number five? It just. No, dude, I, I read it five times because I was like, did I read this wrong? You know, yeah, and it just I, I was sense. like, this is this is like. Like uh, Dick Grayson in the Batman 66, like when they made a joke about it, they're like, what's dangerous and lives in a tree? <gasps> a canary with a machine gun. You know, it's like it's as as good as that. You know, you'll you'll find us all in a tennis court. Hmm. <laughs> you know, like okay. it's got to be vowels, Batman. Correct, old chum. Each one of the vowels shows up in the phrase. A tennis court. Good work. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, it, it's that, it's that was a weird take on Val Kilmer, but okay. <laughs> mm, I mean, halfway there, halfway. Yeah, Joel, Sh Joel Schumacher hadn't gone full full camp yet. Um, but yeah, so we and then we have him explain. Oh, the Pentagon has five sides. Don't you understand? The gas tax is happening here. Yes, I do understand what a pentagon is. I also took basic geometry in sixth grade. What the fuck does that have to do with the number 23, which is the answer to the math problem you just gave us, not five? So oh, wow. I, this That just tied to Jim Carrey, who was also in, oh, uh, I know. in Forever. <laughs> and that was also directed by Joel Schumacher. Oh, I don't like that. that I think that, it was. Yeah. I think he might be right. I don't know. It might might be like his is uh, one of his last movies. So. Yeah, I, but that's I'm another sure. movie that doesn't make sense. Like one plus eight equals five. You know, it's like all of that kind of crap. Yep, Joel Schumacher. He directed it. I never even thought about the fact that that Jim Carrey was the Riddler in his Batman. You know, there, there's two things that came out around that time, and I know this is a huge digression, but I just have to get it out. There's two things that came around around that time. The number 23 and secret window. I hate them both. I hate them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would rather watch secret window before the number 23. I'll, I'll say that. I think know, the number for... 23 had some other like good actresses in it too. So, but I'm, I'm not sure. I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't stake my reputation on that. Yeah, number twenty. Number twenty three uh, was Virginia Madsen played his wife in it. I think. Yeah, um, I mean, I liked her in Species. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a problem. I with liked her, her in Madsen. Doom. Dune, nineteen eighty six is Dune. 
Yeah, she, I mean, she she was a she showed up in a couple of different David Lynch things over time. Yeah, you know, um, she she was she was right there for some some weird stuff. Um, was she in Team Wild at Heart? Oh wow! With Nick Cage, I think she may have been. I'd have to. Everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. There's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Grounds coffee is my guilty pleasure. The aroma is so intoxicating. It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly. Use the front door! Oh, they're so disgusting. Oh, that's right. She was in Swamp Thing, the, the James Wan produced show that was on uh, DC. Oh, I never got to see that, and I heard it was good, but they never gave it a shot. Yeah, I mean, it was it was okay. Here's the thing. I think if they had not gone uh, soap operatic with it, it would have been better. But they were leaning a little bit too much into like the like the those soapy aspects and i'm like eh. creature of the week no no oh. no uh i i mean i mean legitimately like all kinds of syrupy romantic subplot stuff huh for several different people and i was like yeah this is not why I wanted to watch a Swamp Thing show. Uh, like, if you want to have Alec Holland be torn and come to an eventual realization that he's not actually Alec Holland, he is this force of nature that thinks it was the man. You know what I mean? Like, that, no problem with. But it was everybody else's shit coming in like all kinds of other stuff i will say it was pretty cool that they involved uh jason woodrow in in the show um the floronic man uh he was played by um oh my god kevin kevin durand uh yeah i i like him a lot uh he 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 was great in a show called the strain first thing i ever saw him in was uh smoking smoking aces um, which is another movie that you know it's it's sort of in the same vein as this, like, oh, look at how clever I am. I was like, oh, <laughs> I remember you? that. Uh funny, funny enough, uh that movie was was done by Joe Carnahan. Uh and Joe Carnahan was the person who was trying very, very hard to make this comic book nemesis into a movie. Yeah, they they mention him in the forward of the second uh, the sequel. Yeah, or the or the uh, the reboot. Um, as recently as twenty twenty one, there has been movement on making Nemesis into a film. Uh, the most recent person to take a crack at the screenplay was uh, Emerald Fennel. She's an actress and screenwriter. Uh, she was also the showrunner for season two of Killing Eve on uh the bbc in the uk uh it's a show starring uh sandra O oh and um uh oh my god is it comer 
but you lost me at Sandra. Oh, sorry. Sandra. Oh, you know, she was in sideways. Yeah. You just mentioned another thing I don't care for. So <laughs> oh, she's, <laughs> you know, the, it's like, she's the voice of Mark's mother in invincible. Literally the only thing that I would like her from. So <laughs> like, Oh, Grey's Anatomy. I'm like, see, you've done it again. You've mentioned something else that I don't like or care. Jo- for. Jody Comer. Uh, she played the, um, the the female programmer that walked away from the company in free guy that was oh okay yeah uh she's like she was like my my number one pick recently for playing sue storm in a fantastic four movie oh i know her okay yeah yeah um but yeah that dara my my wife she absolutely loved killing eve like we um we we had B, we had BBC America with cable for a while and uh they because it's a it was a BBC show uh it was <laughs> it was uh it, it was three seasons and it took like five fucking years for it to come out and finish <laughs> uh but it was it, it's a lot of talented people uh involved uh you know like i said uh, Emerald Fennel was a showrunner for the second season. Uh, Jodie Comer, I think, is very, very talented, uh, and she plays the the bad guy of it. Uh, her name is Villanelle, I believe. Uh, this is all through osmosis. I have never watched a single full episode of this show, but like I said, my wife loves it, and um, she usually likes good stuff. Uh, and it was created by Phoebe Waller Bridge. No, um, chirp, 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 chirp. Fleabag on chirp. Amazon. Chirp. Mm, she, <laughs> she she played she played the uh, the goddaughter of Indiana Jones in Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, the most recent movie. Ah man, I I am grasping on. I think I know. Does she have like brown curly hair? She has like short brown hair. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know who she is. Then I'm sorry. Um, I, I feel like I may have seen a Funko Pop or something like that, but I'm just like, yeah, they, like all these references, they're they're just falling like 1920s actors references on me. You know, it's like, <laughs> don't you know Buster Brown? No, you know, it's like <laughs> here. Uh, I'll, How about I'll Joseph Chilson? No. <laughs> Let's see here. Oh, you may this? as well be naming vaudevillian actors. <laughs> okay, that's her. That's Phoebe Waller Bridge. Well, now I've got a uh, now I've got a, a a reference. Okay, good for her. Oh, it's a yeah. little curly. Okay, yeah, yeah, ish in in a way. Um, but yeah, so uh, but she's she's very talented, very funny. And if you if you do actually get the chance to uh to see um Fleabag, Fleabag? On, okay. on Amazon, I highly recommend it. She did a it was based off of a one woman show she did, I believe on the West end in, in London. Uh, and it was so popular. She was able to turn it into a short form series on Amazon. I believe it's just two seasons, which is perfect. Um, has a very talented cast. Olivia Coleman is plays her stepmother in it. And she is just a, she is a wonderful asshole in that, (laughs) in that story. Um, and, uh, there's sort of a friendship unrequited 
romance that develops between her and uh, a guy on the show. Uh, he and it's um, the same guy who put the Irish actor who played Moriarty in Sherlock with uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. Andrew Scott, I think is his name. Uh, he, he's, a, he's a really talented dude. Yep, Andrew Scott. <laughs> yeah, cool. yeah. His, his character is never actually given a name. He's the priest. That's the that's the thing about the the story of Fleabag too. Um, her character is Fleabag, like they don't call her that per se, but you never hear anybody call her by a different name. Hmm. Um, and uh, but yeah, like her 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 stepmother, uh, Olivia Coleman, she is godmother, and the priest <laughs> is the priest. But yeah, it's it's actually it's really good. Uh, I, I highly recommend it. Sounds like um, Repo Man. You know? <laughs> I mean, in in that approach, 100%. Um, Mom, Dad. <laughs> if you've never um, seen Repo Man, it's a movie from the 80s where everything, like we were talking about how there's no subtlety in these books. That uh, is exactly the case in Repo Man. Right? That is it's like literally Mom and Dad are through. wearing T-shirts that say Mom and Dad on them. Mm-hmm. And then they go to eat food and literally they, they have a can they open called food and it puts it on a plate and yeah. But I mean, th- that actually is clever. When, well, that's a satire you, of, of yeah. like stupid movie tropes and all that. So it's like, that's a whole thing. Like, this is different. You, this is if like, you did a, if you did a double feature of, of eighties movies and it was Robocop and repo men. Yeah. I would, or repo man. I would be like, yeah, that, that makes sense because they're they're just skewering what culture was at that point in time the the blatant consumerism and just the crass approach to everything uh where simplicity for simplicity's sake was viewed as like provincial but if (laughs) used correctly it's it's a biting commentary and you know like that you know mom dad food it's right in line with you know i'd buy that for a dollar so it's it's all the same stuff and uh there's a lot of cable tv aspect that they talk about in like scrooge and all that you know where it's like yeah i'll tell them what to like they'll be afraid not to watch it you know like that kind of shit so which brings us right back to nemesis by mark miller because um yeah, we're just being told, hey, this is this is how it's it's gonna go. This is the way you should think. And uh the way we should think is by not actually using our fucking brains, apparently. And then we see after he explains, like, oh, the attack's gonna happen here, uh, we start seeing everybody else in the room except for Lee and Morrow start to like grab at their throat and start you know choking out and getting all gross and bubbly and yeah i want to like two faces on both sides of their head i want to mention how poison works here right so he's like oh you you two had an antidote in your morning coffee okay but this gas is still touching their skin which is clearly making boils and all that on the outside of these other people that makes zero fucking sense nerve gas yeah yeah yeah. some fucking nerve yeah. <laughs> See what I did there? Yep. Uh, and then he shoots, like, Nemesis is right there in the fucking hallway. 
and Morrow and Lee pull out their 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 pieces to shoot Nemesis and his two henchmen. And he's like, it's the Pentagon genius, bulletproof proof glass everywhere. Actually, you notice there's a typo there. It's it's everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's not it's not everywhere. That's just southern uh, affectation. It's the Pentagon Pentagon genius, bulletproof glass. Is is clearly Motorola Razor flip phone. <laughs> <laughs> what we have here yeah. is a failure to communicate. <laughs> I don't see what's so civil about war anyway. <laughs> I'm going very cool hand Luke and Guns N' Roses. Yeah, it's a- well Um, these guys did civil war so i guess that's the that's oh there we go yeah thank you for making it all make sense i mean more sense than some of the shit we've seen in this comic way they've Uh, always done before (laughs) (laughs) oh man poor leo's Um, missing all this (laughs) i know he's like oh yeah i'm really missing it oh fuck you (laughs) he's like he's like the tennis match is just watching (laughs) you (laughs) two my neck hurts but uh yeah, so he's standing behind glass that he managed to put up in the hallway without anybody seeing him at any given point. You know, like what, I, okay. I assumed it was already there. I, I why just it's a fucking hallway, like it, it's a it fucking no pass. Sense, it makes no sense. Yeah. Um it's also and, not very good. Like it's no. it's another lazy device that they're like, Oh, you couldn't get me, and I was right in front of you. Like, yeah, oh, I mean okay. If you want to see how to do that correctly, just watch the scene where Bobby Drake needs to form an ice wall between Stryker and the mutants who are trying to get away in X2, X-Men United. That is how you do a barrier, like so close yet so far away kind of deal. Not this shit. Wolverine, is is that you? (laughs) Is that you, Wolverine? You know what the boys are like when they get a bit of syrup in them. Oh, sorry, is wrong, that, wrong film. Is that is that, <laughs> is that Chief from Super Soldier? <laughs> now, now listen, I know we don't like each other. I like you. <laughs> <laughs> listen here, Ramathon. <laughs> it's one of my it's one of my favorite fucking lines of that entire movie. Now, I know neither one of us like each other. I like you. <laughs> <laughs> like it, uh, it, it kills me every time. Also, in my day, we used blanks. You're one sick motherfucker, Mac. (laughs) (laughs) You know, father, there was a time we'd take guys like you out back and we'd beat you with a hose. Now you got your unions. Hey, you know I'm not a pro-union guy, chief. (laughs) (laughs) The next person who says shenanigans is going to get pistol whipped. (laughs) Hey, father, what's the name of that uh, place you like with all the goofy shit on the walls and the mozzarella sticks? Oh, you mean shenanigans? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you know that the soap that they have Brian Cox bite in Super Troopers uh, to, you know, when Farva quote pranks Rabbit, the rookie, uh, by putting the bar of soap in his coffee? Uh, one of the Mac is going, just bite it, bite it, Rook, make him look like an asshole, just bite it. The chief finally goes, takes a huge chunk out of it and spits it out at at, uh, at Mac. Uh, they had to make that with specially sugar-free, diabetic-formulated white chocolate for Brian Cox. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that And this is little stupid shit like that is why I 
I miss DVD commentaries so oh, much. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I th- that was back in the day when I was like, oh, great, a, a, a commentary with, with everybody in it. I can't wait to watch the movie and then watch it again so I can listen to this. Now it's it's like I'm lucky if it has closed captioning options on a fucking disc. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. But uh, enough enough of that. <laughs> so, uh, long. so long to go. This is just issue two, isn't it? Yeah, we. I, I'm, I'm buzzing through. This is This is almost done on this one. Um, we have, you know, Nemesis reveals like, oh yeah, uh, this place is a treasure trove. We just got all like the, the country's secrets and, uh, you know, Marl's just like, I'm going to bury you for this. And Nemesis just goes, oh yeah, sure, sure. Says the guy who just lost a president and all of his country's nuclear codes. (laughs) Deuces, stupid. And leaves and he gets into his, uh, cool white Audi. Um, flying down some highway. I don't. The streets are surprisingly clear. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like L.A., but it's Washington. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know they're they're moving along, and uh, we we see the you know Lee and and Morrow, a couple other guys in a car, and they have their CB on, and uh, then they hear a break. Breaking and entering in progress at Caleb Anderson Memorial Hospital. Calling all units. Car 54, where are you? And uh, <laughs> they say, yeah, there's, I, I, there's three people that might get that fucking reference. Yeah, I'm one and, of them. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and, two, and two of them are listeners. <laughs> the other one's Buster Poindexter. <laughs> Fred Gwynn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um and uh, you know, so he's taking the bait. Let's go. And that's when we see Nemesis, you know, flying down in his bright white Audi. And uh, they put a barricade up. They try to contain him. And he's just like, Jesus Christ, you have got to be kidding. Not a fucking chance. And he just like hits a button on the touchscreen inside of his car. And the whole thing just like kind of splits. And he comes out in uh, basically the bat pod from Dark Knight. Yeah, this this was also kind of infuriating because like the way he talks here is 100% ripped right from Wanted. Like, up your game, fuck faces, or whatever yeah. he says. Uh, up your like, game, assholes. Yeah, there you go. And it's like, oh. And then, then remember when I was talking about that Super Scope 6? Yep. It is. Oh, yeah, yep. <laughs> Super Scope 6, you know, nice white Super Scope right there. And, and as he's still mouthing off where they can't possibly hear him at mm-hmm. all, he's like, cocky little fucks, huh? Do, and, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Doing that sort of flip in the air, you know, like into the water, all that. He's yeah. got like a little lightsaber. Yeah, we'll say the lightsaber thing was kind of cool. I, I like I, that. Yeah, I I didn't mind that. That I I got it. That I mean, I still have lightsabers are problematic in and of themselves because how do you get light to just stop? It it doesn't. He's got that cool rebreather that Batman has, so it's like yeah. all right, you know, it's kind of like yeah, a fun and he, scene. He uses the the lightsaber thing. It's it's like a light dagger. That's probably yeah. the best way to describe it. Um, and he uses it to cut through uh, some bars going into uh, some kind of access drain. And uh, he comes up and um, he he starts communicating with his henchman. And he says, you know, call my dealer and order more cars. And he's holding uh, he's been holding a case this entire time. Looks like a little kind of like lunch pail type deal. I thought it was like and, nuclear codes or something. 
It's not. They 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 oh, say yeah, what oh, it is. Yeah, that's uh, right. Because he's holding it uh over the water. You know, he's standing there and he just goes, Poor little darling. She's never going to make it now. Keep in mind they said that there was a break in at uh a, a, an Anderson Memorial Hospital. Um Yeah, and, and he's by the way, is talking to himself here like he believes it, which we find out later is not true, which is does not make fucking sense. Yeah. Um and, and and that's the thing. He's like, good. I need him. You know, did you remember to feed the president? Good. I need him alive from March the twelfth. And this death trap I've been organizing. Death trap I've been organizing. Did you find out where Morrow's kids are? Incidentally, not a thing, sir. Even Johnny couldn't find them. And Johnny can find everything. <laughs> I'm 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 taking from context, right? Sure. And uh, Nemesis is coming up through a, a manhole uh, in some street in D.C. He says, don't worry, we'll smoke them out. That's the whole point of what's coming up next. And all of a sudden, just lights and cops surround him. And Morrow's right there with, uh, you know, all kinds of guys with guns and looks right at Nemesis. And he goes, end of the line, jackass. Still think we need to up our game. There's no way they heard him say that. It just yep. doesn't it, it it doesn't line up. And, uh, you know, they they they. Uh, pistol whip him essentially and get him down to cuff him and he's like you sneaky old prick there was never a little kid on that transplant list was there no just a story you couldn't pass up that's a pig's heart you've been carrying around in a tracking device inside and that's when lee's like pretty fucking cool huh nobody beats the chief you're gonna <laughs> die asshole you're gonna get the chair like your evil bitch mom uh, and that's when Nemesis says, you, uh, I don't like this word, so I'm not going to say it, uh, but you, you are uh, words. Uh, it's uh, usually a, a slur reserved for people who are seen as mentally uh, lacking or deficient, for lack of a better term. Um, you brain dead little shits. You think I didn't plan all this as he's bleeding, bleeding profusely from his face. Uh, end of issue two. And, uh, you know, that's when we see, oh, uh, Cumberland, Maryland. Uh, it's a North Branch Correctional Institution, very clearly a maximum security prison. Yep. And uh, we have all kinds of guards. And people are like, oh, you nervous? Oh, I'm kind of nervous. And uh, they're bringing Nemesis in. Uh, huge uh, convoy, all kinds of cops around him. He's, he's in a very Hannibal Lecter type of seat. They got them all wrapped up, ready to go. And, uh, you know, the the guards inside of the, the vehicle with Nemesis are kind of, of course, talking some shit because, uh, you know, they caught the bad guy. So I guess we need to keep, uh, what is it? How come nobody took his mask off? Uh, because it's booby trapped. The tech guy said it's wired to his head with tiny explosives. I guess we need to keep you alive till we find out where the president is, huh? But after that, all bets are off, fuckwad. To which Nemesis replies, and I do respect this. I like it. He just goes, hmm. <laughs> which, yeah, less is more. Let's keep it there. Uh, and then <laughs> we we start seeing um, all kinds of stuff pouring on, on news where people are like, oh, you know, uh, world leaders, like, thank goodness that, you know, they, they were able to catch this guy. He's caused so much damage here, like, uh, you know, on, on in, in uh, Asia, along the Pacific Rim. Uh, we see a, a quick sound bite, quick video bite with his uncle 
um and you know the the older guy is just like you know he it's it's terrible what's become of him he it's inhuman uh but congratulations to to blake and homeland security has a brilliant man on on his way there uh and his family blake morrow's family's uh being sort of interviewed on the fly and they've been let out of protective custody and his wife is just like i'm not surprised to beat the cop killer my husband never fails at anything no if you excuse me i'd like to get my kids back home dun 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 yeah right and uh then they they're wheeling him through uh you know on a on a flat board uh strapped down all over including his head it, it like i said it smacks very much of hannibal lecter minus the the mask um if you've ever seen the very beginning if you've played the game or at least watch the very beginning of batman arkham asylum it yeah. is very much wheeling the joker in at the beginning of that game to to arkham asylum from blackgate um and uh we we see that blake morrow is having a, some kind of a press conference uh to talk about the arrest of matthew anderson aka nemesis uh and they feel that they are likely going to be able to get the president back in just a few short hours um his henchmen are still on the loose but sources are certain that they actually pose no public danger um we're talking about a demolitions man a technology expert an identity thief and so on each one of these things he's saying we see the demolitions man taping a brick of clearly c4 explosive to a wall uh we see the tech expert sitting in front of a large bank of computer screens with a, a huge pad in front of him and somebody shot in the head on the floor behind him uh the identity thief is right next to nemesis as one of the guards that's wheeling him through the prison and just as morrow finishes saying that in his press conference nemesis just goes lights please johnny and everything goes dark in the prison and uh morrow's still going on saying those men are nothing more than jobbing career criminals lost without their leader and uh we come back to nemesis and uh he says you know we see guns being fired very quickly and then lights again please johnny and all of the guards except the one that's there as the the master of disguise are you know they've been ventilated well, let's let's put it that way yeah uh and uh then they said, "Hey, boss, you want us to release the prison? Want us to release the prisoners?" He goes, "No, no, no! I want to show these bitches what I can do first. And uh, <laughs> this is what I mentioned earlier. Like, are you kidding me? How are we supposed to fight a hundred riot cops?" <laughs> to which Nemesis, "This is kind of a Batman type thing." I, I will say, he's just like, "I'm only counting ninety-seven, and I'm fine on my own, thank you." Well, yeah, all right. I, the, if there were, if there were a little bit more things like this um and you flesh out the story and make it make sense this would have been uh, a fantastic deconstruction but instead it's it's uh it's the michael bay version of a comic book it, it reminds and, me a lot of what you were talking about with black adam where black adam just like tears through all these bad guys to show how powerful he is and hmm. i thought that when i was reading this i'm like yeah it's like brandon was saying about black adam like so all this power and all he does is beat up these guys. Yeah. I mean, I will say in Nemesis's case, he, I mean, he, he, at the very least, 
sometimes the lack of subtlety, you know, a broken clock is right twice a day. Yeah. The lack of subtlety here at least explains the actions being taken. He says, I want to show these bitches what I can do. You know? Yeah, no, it's it's very much like Watchmen, you know, in a sense. You know, with like Rorschach in the prison and all that. Like it's it's kind of has those vibes to it. Yeah, yeah. I'm not stuck in here with you. You're stuck in here with me. It, exactly. Um, but also once again, for anybody listening, if you walked away from Watchmen and uh you you <laughs> idolize the character of Rorschach. You walked away with the wrong fucking lesson. <laughs> exactly. Just I saying. like Rorschach as a character, but he is a terrible person, a sociopath. Yeah, so. like I, I, like I remember when the movie came out. I remember thinking, like, wow, that was. I mean, it was like a one-to-one panel to screen, uh, and Jackie Earl Haley was absolutely Dude, like a like, fantastic pick to play the character, uh, and that scene was as grisly as it should have been. And I left the theater. I was like, wow, that was, that was impressive, it, but not impressive because I was like, it was so badass. I was like, it's impressive that they pulled it straight from, and it really did to me watching it. I was like this, this still very smacks very much of the controlled desperation that Rorschach has because he's in the most untenable situation he has ever had to experience as a costumed vigilante. Um, and a lot of people I know that saw Watchmen were like, Rorschach's a fucking badass. I'm like, yeah, um, he's a he, psychopath. He became like, everything he fought against. Yeah. And that's, he, that is that spot where it's like, you know, maybe like the whole thing with the dog and, and the kids and the radiator and stuff like that and the saw, maybe that's where he switched. But it's like, yeah, that's where it's like clearly, you know, um, Night Night Owl is like, yeah, I, I can't work with you anymore because you are an absolute nut bar. Yeah. Well, and that, that, and, and that's, that's the thing that makes the comic work f- far more than the movie for Watchmen is because Rorschach, um, like you said, like he becomes the thing that he, always tried to fight against there's no real difference between he and ozymandias yeah by the and he defines himself by integrity you know yeah. so it's it's just like the ultimate like hypocritical sort but of that uh, but, but that's the thing so does ozymandias it's all but it's all based through the prism of themselves you know it's all focused through that uh so when you when you have a character that is that either sociopathic or psychopathic and they truly truly think only only unilaterally only for the things that concern them uh what's what's the actual difference between the actions they take and what we would define straight through as quote evil you know and that's that's one of the questions that the that watchman puts forth none of none of those questions pop up in this fucking no no whatever this is like Uh, that rule of cool type thing where it's like oh could he really take 97 people out and it's like he did he did he did because um because it's cool like you said like that and and, you know like oh wow so cool that he gets so much of their blood all over his his dope white suit it's super noticeable yeah we get it like you know he he just fucks him up left and right and uh, he finishes killing like the last guard by
by jamming uh, a billy club through the back of the guy's like the base of his neck through his through his head and back out through his mouth like it's it's visceral um and nemesis crouching over that that corpse says okay now you can release the prisoners and this is another part i fucking hate so they let all the prisoners out and we remember when order nemesis was coming through the sewers he said order more cars uh, as he's walking out of the front gates with all the prisoners running out past him, he says, the getaway cars all have keys in their ignitions. And they say, which one, which ones are the getaway cars? And he says, any ones you like. Oh man, every single car in the parking lot of this prison is a white Audi. Yep. Okay. Makes perfect sense, right? Because he much he like the bulletproof glass. In the middle of a fucking hallway in the Pentagon, no one noticed this. No one, no one noticed brand new white Audis, much like the car that Nemesis was seen driving earlier in the story, completely populating the parking lot outside of this prison. Come on, man. Like, like it looks cool, but when you actually stop to think about it for more than half a second, it doesn't hold up whatsoever. No. I suppose now yeah. they'd be Teslas. <laughs> yep. So quiet. Um, but you just don't use the self-drive feature. And they we see all these all these prisoners zooming off. And like on the face of it, you can think like, oh, that's smart because if he gets into like one of his own cars, like how are they gonna know which Audi to go after that's like going all throughout the area? But once again, like Somebody would have seen this happening. Yep. This would have been noticed. It's it's too big. Like, oh yeah, let's fill let's fill this parking lot to the prison up with brand new, you know, 2010 white Audis, like like fully yeah. loaded. You, under you're, you're forgetting this guy kidnapped the president too. So it's under like, the cover yeah. of noon. Yeah. Like <laughs> the fuck. Um and uh you know, we have Morrow and he's still like around the whole press conference thing. And that's when Lee is like, you know, hey, it's Nemesis. He escaped and freed all the prisoners. And Morrow's like, what? <laughs> like, and he's like, yeah, 2000 inmates on the loose. We need to put the city into lockdown right fucking now. And uh, that's when Morrow's just like, call Peggy. I want my family back in protective custody. We already called, chief. Your kids have disappeared. And uh, that's we see him and his wife at police headquarters, and um, they have Nemesis on the on the. Oh, it's not a phone, I guess, is it? That's a tape recorder. Yeah, it is a tape recorder. Oh yeah, play the message again, please. That's what he says. Uh, so it's Nemesis saying, "Hello, handsome. Wondering why your ch children didn't show up for dinner? That's because my boys picked them up from school this afternoon. Do as I say, and they'll be." They'll be given back unharmed, disobey, and they'll come home in bottles. I want to hear your three big family secrets when I call back tonight. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm pretty sure your wife does. That's the end, guys. Switch it off. And uh, Moro's just like, can you give us a moment, please, gentlemen? And he's clearly having some kind of conversation with his wife. And uh, they get the call from nemesis and it's, you know, 
Good evening, Chief Morrow. Keeping well? I don't want to make small talk, Nemesis. Just give me some assurance my kids are okay. You'll get that assurance when you see them in person. Now those three big secrets, if you don't mind. Starting with Peggy's indiscretions. You did tell him everything, didn't you, Peggy? Because I've got all the facts right here in front of me. Just give us our kids back, you bastard. And that's when Morrow's just like, I'll take care of it. The first secret is that Peggy and my old partner, Mitt Daniels, had an 18-month affair shortly after we were married. She considered leaving me, but Mitt broke the whole thing off when he got engaged to his now wife, Iris. And why do you think she started this relationship? I was an inattentive husband and a poor performer sexually. Well, I must say I admire your frankness, sir. Secret number two, please. My son is a homosexual. And why do you think he kept this from you? Did he think you'd be disgusted? He thought I'd hate him, but I could never hate him. I love my son more than anything in the world. So why did he only tell his mother? I'm starting to think you place your work over loved ones, Chief. Can't, can you see how this relates to secret number three? Did you hear what I just said, Supercop? I heard you. The third family secret is that my daughter got pregnant and had an abortion without telling me. Now, why would she do a thing like that? Because she wanted to go to college, and she knows I disapprove. Oh, that's right. You're Catholic, aren't you? Remember when they said that in, like, page two of the book? Yeah. But aren't you a little glad from a career point of view? A teenage mom would have killed all those Homeland Security aspirations. Better to terminate a little baby than your career prospects, surely. Shut up! Sorry, Chief. I'm just trying to rattle you before the set piece with the president. You kept your end of the bargain. It's only fair that I keep mine. Your children are in a truck outside, completely unharmed, as promised. Well, relatively unharmed. And then we see the newspaper article title, Police Chief's Daughter Pregnant by Her Gay Brother. <laughs> and yeah. it shows them in the hospital. Morrow and his wife talking with the doctor. Is it true? Without question. On the plus side, he's fertilized her eggs under anesthetic, but he's also added something none of us have ever seen before. He's rigged your daughter's womb to completely collapse if we attempt a termination. She'll never have children if we do an abortion, but it's your call. And his wife, I mean, very plainly put, oh, fuck you, Blake. <laughs> She's like, no, fuck you and your stupid job and what it's done to us. This is all your fault, you selfish prick. I hate you. And it's like, yeah, I kind of get it. <laughs> like, this is definitely because he's obviously put his job and his work far above the needs of his family. I mean, they can't even communicate with him like a normal person. That's it's fucking sad. And I will, I will say that this is a big part that I had a problem with with Mr. Millar. Just literally, like, you know, it's like they say, like fridging someone or something like that. Mm. It's like using these characters, and it's like, okay. It just happenstance that you're using this character who's a woman who could do something like this and it's like taking away that agency and all that. And it's like, oh, yeah, it's I think gross. it kind of sucks. Like, it is absolutely mm. gross to a point where it's like, you couldn't figure any other way to do this. And, and that's where we talk about like being an edgelord and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, okay, you're skirting on like all of these different things here. And it's like, I don't know if you think it's funny or whatever. Or if you're like, oh my God, oh, I can't believe you did that. And he's so smart. It's be like, well, I, just think it, I just think it's kind of gross, dude. It's like, the same exact thing he did with She-Hulk in Old Man Logan. Same thing. 
well, well I mean, yes, in a sense, you're you're right. Like this one's a little bit more, you know, than that because it's like like there's nothing anybody could do. And oh, by the way, if you try to do it, there's a bomb in there. Well, well, fuck you, dude. You know, it's like oh, oh, okay. You know, at least with with that one, it's like okay, like that has some sort of like weird lawless land, you know. But it's still a reduction. Oh of, yeah, yeah. Of like, who, who the character is as a person. No and it, agency it, on She-Hulk in that. So yeah, yeah, you know. yeah. It, it, she she is reduced to an incubator for yeah. a bunch of redneck hulks, um, and you know it, it's just to push a weird plot point you know or or not even plot point but uh potential hazard to the main character uh like yeah, i, I could have done without without this um you know like this whole thing and it's like i get it it's pushing him but like looking at his face like he's not even pushed you know it's like he's like ashamed and, yeah. and it's like okay like oh you're you're angry or something because like your family has been completely traumatized by something and you're like oh i just have to solve this puzzle fuck you dude not even rooting for you at this point yeah, yeah and that's that's he just looks he's looking at everything as as a puzzle it's it's like it's fucking ridiculous it, it's yeah. all and, and here's the thing like player 1 tokyo player 2 washington dc mm-hmm. if they had started if they had kept that nomenclature up through the book um then that would play a bit differently because you see that it's actually about both of them playing a game but it's only after pouring over this and going through it that it's like oh okay i see what was trying to be done there but just like one brief mention at the onset of your story is not enough to sustain the idea throughout four issues when you think about the fact that these came out one one issue a month for four months yeah that i mean that's that's untenable. I, um, I just don't understand like what the huge draw from this was because if like people are looking at Nemesis as they're like, oh my god, this is like the Lex Luthor of of uh, supervillains, but he can handle himself like Batman and all that. And be like, I don't understand what you guys are seeing. You know, it's yeah. well, I mean, it's it's, it's it's kind of playing into the the coolness of Batman, but you know, it, it's that's at the same time the the folks that get off on there being nothing but ultra violence, mayhem, and uh, dark edges around everything. There is no shine or sheen or hope to to anything in any part of the story. I I guess I'm more of an idealist. Well, me too. I mean, which is yeah. part of the reason why I, I have certain problems with certain things. Uh, you know, and and I understand like that's that's my own opinion on stuff but there's certain certain stories or characters that are supposed to be uh evocative of the exact opposite of those ideas you know for example man of steel um well the nemesis doesn't do anything you know so we think of him as a bad character he just does bad shit to do it yeah yeah well and yeah i mean it's it's all he does bad shit because what we've been given so far is he is he is the anti-batman like his parents were taken from him at a young age and then he oh, but wait till his- issue six <laughs> and then he he uh travels the world visiting different masters of sleaze instead of 
meeting a detective and meeting a master of disguise, stuff like that. So he could become like a crime fighter. Uh, he learned how to be the biggest piece of shit on planet earth. Uh, so, I mean, there's your, your kind of connection. Like, I still think like, Oh, I became the, the leader of a Zoroastrian death cult. I really do think that it's supposed to be a one-to-one for the league of assassins as, as compared to, you know, DC comics. And uh, isn't but, it funny too that he in no way brings that up? It's like, oh, I got over that, and it's like now he's got different henchmen and shit. So it's like, yeah. oh, okay, thanks for showing us that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then you know we we have the final splash page of issue three with Moro holding the weird, not sawed off sawed off shotgun, uh, saying, "Let's nail." I thought it was a super soaker. <laughs> <laughs> might as well be. I'm <laughs> yeah, sure. might as well be. Uh, and then we get to issue four. Uh, shoot straight, shoot straight, asshole on the cover. And um, you know, we 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 jump in. We see that uh, the undercover guy that Morrow and Lee have been in touch with. Uh, he has some leads, and it looks like for for all intents and purposes that nemesis has actually been hiding out as his uncle. Like he's got all kinds of crazy shit that makes him look like the old man. And, um, you know, they're like, how, how does he fake that? And they're just, they're just like, well, they made Brad Pitt look like an old man, Sergeant. Anything's possible if you have the right budget. Um, and he's like, well, Another human being makes a hell of a hiding place, Chief. How long do you think Nemesis was impersonating him? Months? Years? Uh, to which Morrow says, like, all I know is I played Baccarat with Howard every Tuesday evening. I could have been sitting right across from this creature. And it's like, so look who's having the last laugh now, boss. All of a sudden, that creepy little calling card doesn't look so scary. And they're looking at the initial card that says, you know, Blake Morrow, March 12th at midnight, flatline still counts. Which I also that that flatline still counts really pisses me off. Um, and you know, Morrow says he's the world's most dangerous man, Stuart. We can't take anything for granted. They go to Howard Anderson's uh, big, you know, palatial mansion. Uh, whole SWAT team scenario. They all break in. Go, go, go! You know, on your six, on your three. Blah, blah, blah. Crash through windows. Destroy property. And then they come into Howard's uh, master bedroom and he is tied up with numerous blocks of C4 surrounding him and a timer that has three seconds left on it with his mouth taped, duct tape closed. Uh, And they scream, it's a trap. And then the the mansion goes boom. And uh, Morrow is caught in the aftershock of the blast. Which I will say, that's like the one realistic fucking thing that I think I saw in this entire comic. Uh, it drives me nuts when there are explosions in television and in, in movies, and people just like get thrown, and then they walk up, they uh, stand up, and they walk away, and no big deal. Uh, if you get hit by the concussive blast of an explosion, you are going to be fucked up. Yeah. Like, oh, of course. Very, very hurting unit after that. Uh, and we see that he's he's coming to, and he's got Nemesis right in front of him. And Nemesis is just like posing as my uncle this whole time, lying in bed just waiting for you to kill me. I've known about your mole from the beginning. 
all those facts he passed along came from me. And Marlo's just like, how? How could you have possibly known? Because the master has a mole of his own, chief. Stuart? Oh, my God, why? And this is this is Lee, his, his uh, right-hand man. And he says, $10 million is a lot of money, sir. The master had me watching you for eight full years. That's how far ahead he works on these adventures. He's got every cop he wants to kill booked ahead for years. What are you talking about? I thought it was me who you wanted. Isn't this revenge for the death of your parents? Fuck you, Mark Miller. Yep. Because that's when Nemesis says, what parents? How vain must you be? Did you really think a man would devote his entire life just to getting even with you? Are you really that much of an egomaniac? What are you talking about? I'm not Matthew Anderson and never have been. The real Matthew died in an Indian whorehouse after squandering his inheritance. This entire thing has been a ruse. Fuck you, man. Fuck you. That's not a twist. Yeah. That's a lie. You All I can picture is Randall going, I don't appreciate your ruse. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is not a ruse. This is not a twist. This is a lie. The audience was lied to. We were told something specifically. We were given very specific background information. Told and shown. Yeah. And when push like he comes changed to his show, mind. Yeah. It, it, it's it's disingenuous and a giant middle finger to everyone who spent four months waiting to get to the end of this when it was first released. Uh, I don't appreciate it. And I think it's cheap. Well, how about you make it worse? Okay. Next panel. <laughs> yeah. Next panel. Hubris is the downfall of every great man. Sergeant Lee. It's how I've beaten all of my opponents around the world. And Blake Morrow here is no exception. The revenge fueled son was fun to play, but I'm planning something different for Rome next year. My target there is more social and provincial. I'm going to bait that policeman through his wayward brother. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'll be sunning myself in Costa Rica with my 10 million bucks. You know his henchmen retire after every job? As he's saying this, we can see Nemesis's gun <laughs> being raised to the side of Lee's head. And his, his brains get, get blown out. His head explodes in quite a strange way, I, I yeah. might say. Unless it was like a magnum or something, but yeah, and uh, that's that's when uh, you know Nemesis is like, well, that's one way of putting it, and you know, Morrow's just like, oh, so this is what you do—you just travel the world and bring misery, like searching for hope, so you can grind it into the dirt. And uh, Nemesis is like, yeah, that's it's pretty accurate. Yeah, I can agree with that. And uh, Morrow finally says, "Who are you?" He goes. I'm rich and I'm bored. What else do you need to know? Mm -hmm. And that's when this very dark lit area that they've been where they have like a spotlight on each of them. It just opens up curtains completely drop and they're actually in the oval office and nemesis holds his hand out and displays what he has there for Morrow. It's Morrow's wife and the president of the United States of America. Each one of them, holding a detonator and wearing an explosive vest and nemesis, you know, like, Oh, here's the president you you've met. And, uh, well, I think, you know, your, your wife pretty well. And, uh, he's, you know, he's like, where are we? He goes, Dude, come on. You really need to ask how many other houses have an oval shaped office. And, 
you know, he basically it, it comes down to uh, the four of us are just killing time, time until your midnight deadline, tomorrow. And his wife says, he said, we, we have to murder each other. That's why he strapped the bombs to our chests, <laughs> which he corrects her and says, actually, I said the only way to get out of the get out of this was blowing up the other person. Unfortunately, they've both been very polite and refused to indulge me, Blake. But that's where you come into the picture. You need to choose between your beloved wife and the man you protect as Washington's chief of police, the little lady or the commander in chief. Who do you detonate? You have 30 seconds. Come on. It's hardly the first time you've had to choose between family and career. This is another allusion to Batman forever. Just saying. Yeah. (laughs) I'm no longer Batman because I have to be, but because I choose to be. Uh, And uh, he starts ticking it down. 20 seconds. He says, what if I refuse? Well, then they both die. At least this way you're saving one of them. And uh, he says, 10 seconds. And Blake is still just, you know, wavering. And he goes, five, four. And then the president's like, fuck you. And Nemesis is like, excuse me? Holding the, you know, still pointing a gun. He goes, I've had enough of this shit. You kidnap me, murder my friends, terrorize this entire city. And you think I'm going to just stand here? I ate punks like you for breakfast back in Vietnam. Uh, I'm not entirely sure where this is going, sir. Have you got some kind of kung fu action skills I didn't know about? And uh, he has the gun right to the president's forehead. (laughs) And uh, the president says, hit the button, chief. It'll be a pleasure. (laughs) To which Nemesis responds, what? And boom, explosion. And, uh, you know, the throne, uh, Nemesis, Morrow and his wife. And uh, Nemesis, (laughs) it is pretty funny. He's like, holy shit. I'm covered in old person. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I actually more, like this part a lot. <laughs> yeah. It, it, this is probably one of the, the better parts of it. Um, and Morrow comes flying out of the, the smoke and ashes and he is just uh, given everything he's got to every blow he's dealing them. He's really jacking them up. And uh, then he, he picks up a, a gun. He's going to, likely lay waste to to nemesis and a helicopter comes starts flying overhead and says take him down i want a clean sweep and they shoot both of them uh they they hit morrow and uh the side of his torso and in each one of his legs but nemesis gets hit in a few few places um and nemesis is just like this is priceless I'm too rich to fail. Don't you understand? People like me never lose. The card said midnight. In midnight, it'll be you, old asshole. I've killed better men than you, you know? And each one of them has a gun nearby, and they both look. And Nemesis just says tomorrow, go for it. And they each grab the gun, go to shoot. Nemesis hits Morrow in the stomach, and Morrow shoots Nemesis directly in the skull. And uh, whoever's in the helicopter is like, holy shit, they just took each other out. And uh, they get up there and uh, see that Nemesis is, is dead. Uh, Morrow is, is there. He's breathing. Um, they get him to Georgetown University Hospital. He's in surgery. Um, and they, they have to defibrillate him. He, he flatlines for a second. And uh, 
they charge up, bring him back. Can so, you see the time? The time on that was it midnight when he flatlined? Uh, I couldn't zoom in on it. It doesn't say. I I don't see I don't see where the time would be. It's it's all very very like imperceptible. Um, but yeah, he it was clearly like okay. So, oh, there it is. Still, it's in the back. Okay. Oh, it is. Yeah. Where? where uh, um, go go forward. Right there, where the sun is looking at the car. Oh, okay, looks, yeah, okay. Yeah. So it, it does yeah. technically hit that. Yeah. What's okay? Twelve. Okay. Yeah. That. Yeah. So the clock on the wall, um, and yeah. So they're they're out in the the waiting area, hoping to get good news about their father. We see at the bottom of that second page, after they say that uh, Moro is starting to stabilize. Uh, nemesis with a large chunk of the front right part of his skull missing uh, laid out on some kind of table um, <clears throat> and that's when we get another fuckaroo which this is how the 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 thing ends we see uh, some panels here Morrow is, is in the OR we see Morrow shaking hands with um uh somebody else who was taking over as the head of homeland security instead uh we see his uh son another young man probably his son's boyfriend i would venture to say uh his daughter in a in a bikini on a on a beach chair and two uh small children uh and then morrow in a hawaiian shirt standing with his uh with his wife uh in the bottom panel you can actually see them in the background on the third panel uh on the deck watching all the kids there basically on the beach um and there it's and then it, we see that that morrow and his wife are, are sitting in a, in a nice restaurant wherever this island is that they're vacationing uh and this is all under uh some kind of note some kind of letter and it, and it reads my dear chief morrow first of all may i congratulate you on your success against a most formidable opponent you succeeded where many significant others have failed and deserve all the accolades paid to you in the media i was also impressed to see you step aside and allow a rival to take your place as the head of homeland security this had long been an ambition of yours and showed tremendous character to put your family before your career aspirations. I am a family man myself, and religious as you are, which is why I was also pleased to see your daughter carry those triplets full term, and oh, the subsequent... Yeah, yeah, it's three of them. I don't know why they didn't show the third one, but, um, uh, but those triplets full term, and the subsequent adoption by you and your charming wife. This vacation is surely much needed, and I'm heartened to see you all spending time together. I would also like to assure you that you and your family will be quite safe from any and all of my future customers. You beat Nemesis most definitely, and it would be immoral for you to be targeted again when next year's supervillains are unveiled to the world. I run a business, you see, where the rich and the bored can savor adventure for a few short weeks of every year we've focused mainly on the pacific rim 
but our services are expanding to the West with relish, and my client list has been growing heartily even in the current financial crisis. Perhaps it's the zeitgeist with modern Hollywood, but they all want to be supervillains at the moment, and my artists and engineers are working night and day to make their dreams come true. Naturally, you'll see more of us soon, but in the meantime, I would ask that you and those you feel closest to stay away from the Los Angeles area. <laughs> and he's reading this letter, Morrow, at the restaurant that he and his wife are actually having dinner at. And she looks at him and says, what, what is it? What's wrong? And he says, I'm, I'm not sure. I need a moment to process. To which the, uh, the waiter approaches and he says, your 1907 Heidsteck, was it Heidsteck, sir? compliments of the gentleman who left you the letter it's the most expensive wine in the world you know but i'm assuming you'd still like to taste it first what is he here is he staying at the resort actually that's the peculiar thing mr morrow the card and the wine have been have been here since i started with very specific instructions he delivered these 10 years ago and the last page is clearly whoever it is that wrote this on an island at sunset, like looking out into to the horizon, sipping on a glass of wine, presumably the same type of incredibly expensive wine. And then the camera just kind of pulls out and he's sitting by a couple of palm trees. And that's how it ends. Just a, a lovely sunset on this guy's probably private island. Uh, to which I say, fuck you, Mark Miller. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because oh, I've man. already seen the silence of the lambs and they did the ending better. Yeah. It, it definitely has uh, undertones of that. Yeah. It's, it's I'm something going that to have it an old thinks friend it's so for dinner. Yeah. Yeah. It, that's what it is. It's like, Oh yeah, this is, this is great. It's so clever. No one will ever guess it. Well, here's the funny thing about no one guessing it. They can only guess it. If you give them the pertinent information, which you fucking lied about. Yep. That is I, true. You know, I'm curious. Like I do want to um, actually finish nemesis reloaded because I legitimately, I, I didn't even really know much about it until I was like, Hey, let's, let's do some Miller stuff for, you know, a few episodes uh, because he tends to try to skew things from what we know, you know, mm -hmm. it's perfect for like this alternate take on stuff. Um, and I will say it looks like he paid attention to some of the criticisms just in the couple of issues that I read of reloaded. Yeah. Uh, some of them, not all of them. You, um, you could also be happy not finishing that series. Like you, you could be happy doing that, you know? Oh um, yeah. Please believe I wasn't forlorn when I put my tablet down. I wasn't like, okay. oh, man, I really wish I could finish this now. I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to finish this now. Like, it was it was OK. It's like there are certain things that are just, you know, like like facts. You know, it's like it's, it's kind of like the same story and they, they redo it and you're like, oh, oh OK. All right. You know, and, and then it's like, uh, all right. The ending is completely different. And it's like, oh, it's more of the story about the character because they realized they didn't tell you shit about him, you know, because as much as expedition they were trying to give you about him, they're like, we lied. And I'm like, oh, that's like 
three things I don't really like about this book. We should we yeah. should do we should do uh, Nemesis Reloaded on the next episode of this, but that way Leo is forced to read just Reloaded, <laughs> and he has no basis of comparison yeah, unless he don't like and, it either. I mean, it's I mean the thing about Leo is is he likes he likes most things right, but when something is that bad where he doesn't like it, like when we read Wanted. He's going to see right through this shit. And, and I mean, that, that's the whole thing. He's like your ever loving blue eyed optimist. Who's like, you know what? The sun's going to shine tomorrow, fellas. Or like butters. You know, oh yeah. Like that. And, and it's like to, to just do this to him. I feel so bad. <laughs> well, I mean, that's one of, that's probably one of the reasons why Leo is one of my favorite people because butters is probably one of my favorite fictional characters in anything. Like <laughs> that kid's adorable. He's a sweetheart. And, yeah. Like little kids like that are the ones that need to be protected because the world is you need to take care of Sago. <laughs> yeah, like take care of them as a kid because like don't do the world's work for it. You know, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I you know, sensitive kids, sweet kids, they they're um they're not a diamond dozen and no. When when you have when you have a, a young kid who who likes people, cares about people, and is genuinely enthusiastic about stuff in a completely unironic and unabashed way, don't stamp that out. Uh, and in Leo, I, I love to death, and he is so optimistic, almost to a fault sometimes, that you need to have like. <laughs> you need to have Stan and Kyle here fucking turn to butters <laughs> occasionally and say, dude, what the fuck is wrong with you? That it's not the thing. Like you're looking at the wrong part of this. Leo. Uh, yeah. It's like, Leo, what, what about this? Did you actually like, well, you know, I, I had some time to kill. So I, I really enjoy being able to spend an hour with this Leo. That is not a positive thing about the fucking story that I just asked. I asked, what did you like about it? The story itself, not the amount of time it took for you to read. Well, you know, it, was still, it was still pretty good. And uh, I like how it ended. Like, all right. Okay, fine. I'll give you that. You enjoyed it for whatever reason. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, I, it's like we were, we were talking about with Lobo books, I think, last, last episode, where it's like there's people that like things for the wrong reasons. And I feel like that's Millar, uh, Miller's um, niche. You know, I did like Kick-Ass when I read it, and I liked well, Kick-Ass too. And I think that's a different type of well, story that, that he tells. That's because, like I said, you know, earlier on, that that story actually has a lot of heart to it. Yeah, uh, it, it really does. Um, he very, I think, insofar as my own reaction to Kick-Ass, uh, he very much took a hard look at Peter Parker mm -hmm. and that was sort of uh, from what I could see a, a definite building block for how to create uh, Dave Lazuski. Um, and I do think that Aaron Taylor Johnson's portrayal in the movie directed by Matthew Vaughn. Uh, I don't know that I would have myself gone out of the way to cast this british kid but he he knocked it out of the park he was yeah. exactly oh, fully agree exactly what dave lazuski was in the comic book and even christopher mintz plas as the crimson, the mist. Mist. The crimson mist yeah yeah like he was 
<laughs> he was, yeah, that was perfect. It, it, it really was. Um, and hit girl, like the, I mean, the, iconic. <laughs> yeah. The, the thing with um, big daddy being played by Nicholas cage. I mean, that's, that's perfect. Uh, you know, I can't remember in the movie. How did, did they show how he funded all the stuff? He they stole a ton of shit from the bad guys, like okay. all the dealers. They would steal like all the cash and stuff from. So like she'd go okay. in and kill them and all that, and then like steal. Yeah, because okay, that's what it was. Yeah, because in the in the comic book, anybody who's who's never read the the book, um, it, it's not something that we're necessarily going to cover on Comics Paradox. It's not really an alternate take on on anything in particular you know what i mean it's just sort of like uh oh well superheroes don't exist maybe this is what it would be like if they started to it's not it's supposedly this in this next book crosses over with yeah. everything in the miller verse yeah kick ass um uh what's the other one uh magic order uh wanted uh, superior superior then there's ascension and like like some of this other stuff so it's like i don't i think i think even american jesus which i i hate the fucking title of he he retroactively changed it it was originally chosen uh which i think oh chosen yeah that's the other one okay much much better title uh but it became a, a trilogy and the first part is american jesus chosen now and the second part is american jesus whatever and i think the third part is american jesus redemption or, or something like that um and i finally i finally read uh all of the, the second and third part like early this year uh and i will say i i wish that he had just left well enough alone uh he should have just let chosen be chosen i actually think that one was was actually done pretty well for what the type of story it was i don't want to say anything about it uh other than i enjoyed that first part chosen or american jesus chosen uh if if anybody listening does read it um if you stop right there uh, you can continue living your life you'll be fine Uh, (laughs) sounds familiar (laughs) yeah it's uh but i mean it's i think that first part is worth reading it's it's quite an it's it's an interesting take on a, a type of story that we've seen, uh, you know, a few times in different mediums. But um, who, who yeah. do you think this book is for? Who do you think will read it? I mean, they don't even necessarily have to like it and all that. Should people read it? You know, no, um, no. I, yeah. I honestly, I mean, if you, if you are a full blown Miller enthusiast then I say, yes, go ahead and read it because you were likely already getting ready to, or you have already, um, you know, it's just one of those things that's going to round out all of the things that you enjoy by this particular writer. And that's okay. Um, but if, if you're someone who's just, who's looking for um, you, you put quality across the board as the thing you look for not just in your visuals but your story the the overall execution beginning middle end um if you're not like i said a a a huge miller enthusiast or a 
a persistently penilely turgid 16-year-old <laughs> who thinks that the height of cinema is anything that Michael Bay or Zack Snyder has ever done, then boy, oh boy, this comic is really going to knock your socks off. You know, but other than that, if you if you if you don't fall in there, I don't I don't think this comic is really it's really for anybody outside of that. It's it's so shallow. It has less substance than an empty peanut shell. You know, it's mm. like, you know, the depth it's, of a puddle. Yeah. Like like in all seriousness, it's like, you know what I like better than this? That scene in glass where they um, where they kill Bruce Willis's character. I like that better than this book. So and that's well, I mean yes. I like I like that better and it did suck, but I will I will defend M. Night Shyamalan to a point with glass. Um oh, no, I like the movie, I don't like yeah. that part. So I mean you know. here's the thing, I don't like it, but that doesn't mean how do I how do I put this? Personally, I don't like it, but for what M. Night Shyamalan was doing, I understood it. Yeah, you know, I'm like, oh, see, this is all subversion. That's that's the key part here. And and it was subtly done um, because he seeded that movie with this big, this huge building being made in the middle of, of uh, friggin Philadelphia and even like called like had an article about it in some magazine where they call the building a true marvel and the word Marvel is done in a rectangular box, just like the Marvel Studios logo yeah. in a very similar font. Uh, and they show it several times. So he's, he's telegraphing to the audience like, oh, Glass and, and uh, the Overseer and the Beast are all going to break out of here. And there's going to be a big throwdown at this, this building, you know, and they never even make it off the fucking grounds. And yeah. if you haven't seen Glass, sorry. But like it's been several years now. Yeah, we it's had three years old. Come on. We had yeah. a lockdown since it came out in theaters. You've had more than enough time and ample opportunity to see the movie at this point. Um, but yeah, it was all subversion. The fact that they broke out, they never even made it off the grounds in the theater. I was like, oh, all right, nicely done. Like I, honest to God, was like, yeah, that is subversion done correctly. Because everyone, myself included, expected there to be like your big, uh, you know, knockdown, huge budget blowout. And instead it was this small, quick, not even that messy affair. Yeah. And uh, I, I really, I, I appreciate that. I was like, you know, if we're trying to say that this is like a real world type of thing. How would this be taken care of? Would it be big and flashy and out there for everyone to see and take notice of? No, no, no. They would try to nip it in the bud. And that's exactly what happened. The only other thing that I, I mean, in that ending, you could have stopped it much sooner. The thing with um, the doctor, Ellie, whatever her name is, Staple, um, having that meeting about, you know keeping the existence of these like superhumans from the rest of the world um that could have been okay if it had been actually seated much like the subversion 
was throughout that movie. Um, I actually, I think if they had played more into something that had been shown in Unbreakable, then that scene would have been a bit full circle and would have made a lot of sense. Uh, the comic that falls into um, Elijah's lap when he's in the comic book store and the guy's trying to like push him out and you know he's he's in a funk and all that shit because he's like oh david's been been sick and blah 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 like he he almost drowned uh it's it's a century man comic and it's like the council of evil or something they've assessed what everybody's weakness is and like like they show it on the cover and that's when glass comes back to to uh david and he's just like no, that that's what it is. Water is your weakness. It's same as me because we're on the same spectrum. You 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 sink. You don't you don't swim very well in it. When you drink it, you swallow it too quickly and you choke. That's that's your weakness. Um, and they could have played up the idea that this council of evil is this same entity that has been around for the amount of time they were trying to put forth at the end of glass, trying to keep a cap on these, these individuals showing themselves to the world. It was a missed opportunity. And I feel like uh, any script supervisors and stuff working on, uh, on that movie really should have fucking brought it to his attention, but that's, that's what, just what me. It was a circumstance where he bumps into the comics and nemesis number six falls on. <laughs> Could you imagine that? And he'll be like, he'll just be sitting there, you know, still going. Maybe he hits it again and Wanted comes down and he keeps going. He hits again. It's like, you know, I don't know. It's crazy to think that Mark Miller's had several different properties made into movies or television shows now. Yeah, like and the some of biggest it liked. <laughs> the biggest success of all of them was the movie adaptation of his comic book, The Secret Service, which was turned into Kingsman. Kingsman, yeah. The Secret Service. Uh, Not a lot of people realize that that's Mark Miller. Matthew Vaughn directed it. Um, Matthew Vaughn wrote the screenplay with uh, his writing partner at the time, Jane Goldman. Uh, Whenever they work together, it it is magic. In all honesty, like, they are fantastic together. Did they write the sequel? Um, I think Matthew Vaughn did. I don't think Jane Goldman did. Okay, yeah, because uh, I didn't. I didn't see Kingsman, the the new prequel. I didn't oh, see that one, but it looked the, like it was King, a lot better. The Kingsman. No, I yeah. didn't. I actually couldn't finish watching it. Oh well, it looked and like it was better because that's that's a rarity for me. Um, but I was honestly very very bored. I will say they played up uh, Rasputin or Rasputin, however you want to say his name. Uh, 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 Rasputin. <laughs> yeah, Boney M. Um, but uh, they played up Rasputin's role in the movie. And um, yeah, Ras- Rasputin isn't even a fucking thing past like the first like 25 minutes. Yep. That, uh, yeah. yeah. Which well, is like such an accident in the first one was awesome. Such a fucking waste of Risa Fons, too. Like, it's enraging kingsman the golden circle yeah i i i don't think i don't think jane goldman helped with that one uh i could be wrong though oh maybe she did or did she 
Written by oh yeah okay yeah they they wrote that one together a rare miss yeah a rare <laughs> miss a rare miss um you know you know I think part of it is the fact that it it wasn't really based on anything other than continuing from the movie that had been made uh, because the Secret Service was the Secret Service and this Golden Circle thing was was a just a continuation of one version of it in a particular medium. Um, I have you know, been told to check out Jupiter, uh, Jupiter Ascending, so I, I've I've heard that that's actually pretty good. Uh, do you mean Jupiter's Legacy? Is it Legacy? Yeah, by I, Miller. I'm, by yeah, Miller? Not, not Jupiter Ascending. Then. Yeah, that's it's the uh, Tatum one. Yeah, yeah, by the Wachowskis. Um, yeah, let's pass on that. Yeah, <laughs> Jupiter's Legacy um, by Miller and uh, Frank Quitely. Uh, it's, it's kind of, it's interesting because it, it breaks up. It's, it's, it's got a volume one and a volume two, but in the middle, um, there's a, a second series that actually is like the prequel called Jupiter's children. And, um, that's all about how the, cause Jupiter's legacy is about like the second generation of kids and stuff that were born from these seven people who were given superpowers back in like the thirties. Um, so Jupiter's legacy is all about what the world has been like since their ascension, but Jupiter's children is all about when they got the powers and how they started to like shape and change the world. Some, some places for the better and other places, not so much. Um, and you got to see, how the power affected each one of them individually and, and, and what have you. Uh, but I enjoyed the books. Um, you know, I, it's, there is some ultra violence, not quite as bad as some of the stuff you've seen in like this or, or wanted. Um, but it makes sense when you're seeing like full on super powered individuals go up against one another. Uh, the Netflix series, it was doing its own spin on what Jupiter's Legacy story was from the comic, and I was I was there for it. I I, didn't I thought it was it. okay, man. I was like, yeah. all right, Josh Dumas, Leslie Bibb. I'm like, what? yeah. And um, I I was uh, a little I was a little disappointed that they they dropped it like a hot potato. Um, you know, Netflix spent an undisclosed amount of money to purchase the rights to everything from Miller World, and it just seems really foolish for my part, at any rate, for them to make like one 10 part series of part of a story that they purchased and then they just leave it at that. Like, you know, who knows? I mean, we, we might see the magic order at some point, you know, we might see uh, something else that he has, like you said, chosen or anything. Um, he's got such a prolific, like, I mean, there's a lot I, of I stuff. There, there there's, really is. There's know? superior. There's the magic order. There's American Jesus. Uh, there's starlight. Um, there's Hawk. Yeah. Uh, Hawk, you know, yep. and some of these things are, you know, they are, you know, flash sideways from characters and stuff that you, that, you know, really like superior is, is very much like a, a Shazam type of story. Um, 
uh, you know, down to the fact that like a kid is is given this magical ability to turn into a superhero that he idolizes from movies and comics. Uh, and the kid has c- cerebral palsy. He has CP. Um, so when he turns into superior, uh, he's he's six foot four and very muscular and has all kinds of cool superpowers. And the implication is that superior is is Superman. Uh, and not just like the character of Superman, but Christopher Reeves' Superman. You know, like he's been in several movies and he's working on the fourth movie kind of thing. Uh, and the Shazam thing, obviously able to change, but a lot of people don't realize that they kind of combined the idea of Freddie Freeman and uh, Billy Batson in the old serials which was one of the first things to really put Captain Marvel into the zeitgeist past the comic books. And as an adult, Billy Batson had a bum leg. I don't think they ever said what it was from, but I think the implication might've been like polio. Yeah. Something. Um, And when he said Shazam, he turned into Captain Marvel and he was, you know, fully like fully able. They they Um, do kind of mention something in the dark Knight strikes again, where it's like, uh, Billy Batson's there, but it's it's like Batson was sick and he he died, and the only thing that was left was Captain Marvel. And you know, once he says the word, he fades into nothing. You know, so I was like, oh, okay, interesting. You know, that is that is definitely interesting. I mean, the well since I read that, you know, the the see the the thing about that is like Dark Knight Strikes again. If if you're going if you're going with something like that for Shazam, I mean, honestly, you know, it's. If you if it depends on what version of Shazam of Captain Marvel you're looking at, because a lot of people tend to lose sight of the fact that for a very, very long time, whenever Billy Batson said Shazam, it wasn't that Billy Batson became Captain Marvel. He switched places with Captain Marvel. So Captain Marvel was there and Billy was basically like the rock of eternity. And when he said Shazam, they'd switch back. They played up this um, this idea of, of interchangeability in Miracle Man uh, with Alan Moore and then Neil Gaiman. Uh, sort of a subspace that the Mar- the Miracle Man body like dwelled in until he was he was called forth by saying Kimota. And when he came forth, the kid was put back was put into that subspace instead um that was planet (laughs) yes indeed um so yeah i mean there's 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 different ways i i don't know that i it's frank miller so you know it strikes again is one of the worst fucking stories i've ever read Um, uh until today yeah oh i mean i read this i read 100 times i will read that one again you know as opposed to this which i will you know i'll i'll put this in the fridge i think i think i think the only i think the only thing i liked about strikes again was when bruce saved barry allen from having to produce electricity for half the continent um barry had been running full speed nonstop for years and when they open the chamber barry is just like he, he, he the bags under his eyes he just looks 
awful. And it's the first time Barry's been able to stop since Luther put him in there. And Barry's just like, huh, he stops. And he's like, literally, he's on the floor for three seconds. And then he stands up and he's like completely refreshed. He's like, oh man, thank you for getting me out of there. I was like, that's cool. Like <laughs> I, I dig that the flash was, his recuperation time was nil. He was like, like for us, it was three seconds, but for him, he was like, he was down there for like four months, <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, that, that, that might be a cool one for us to cover on dork night, you know? Yeah, we can we can get to it. Um, you know, probably but, do the first one first, but <laughs> yeah, I would say probably a good yeah, idea. On your advice, I read the third one and I'm like, you know what? This was a lot better than I thought it would be. Oh, it really is. Like, like it, I it really had low expectations. <laughs> it really, it really feels when you're reading it like it has no right to be that good yeah. after Strikes Again had come out. Um, but I think part of it too is that, uh. I think there was a little bit more editorial oversight with. with oh, I'm I'm DK3. They're like, they're like, we want fewer swastikas. They're like, okay, how many? None. All right. Uh, All right, fine. But I'm still so, gonna I'm still yeah. gonna name the book the Master Race. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, well, how many topless na- Nazi women can I have? Uh, one. Also none. Also, <laughs> also none. Uh, okay, I'll settle at one. You know, it's like. How, uh, how about how about one? All right, just half a boob though. Both boobs. Okay, fine, but that's it. No they more have Frankie. pasties. It's like what? What <laughs> did we lose? <laughs> I am so tired of Frank trying to put Brigitte Nielsen in every fucking book. <laughs> yeah, that's ah shit. I hate how accurate that is. Damn, I know <laughs> that's insightful right there. That's like yeah. You you've never thought that before? I thought everybody had my bad. <laughs> no, I mean I didn't remember that I thought that. It's like you just triggered like a childhood memory. You know, oh. like maybe like the smell of a certain flower or something like that. And I'm like <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, oh yeah, it is red Sonia. <laughs> <laughs> oh, outstanding. Well, uh yeah, so everyone, this was this was Nemesis by uh Mark Miller and Steve McNiven. Um Thanks for thanks for coming along with us on this one. Uh, if uh, if you had read it before and uh, you enjoyed it, the uh, Via Condios. If you read it before <laughs> and you didn't enjoy it, uh, and but you did enjoy us talking about it, thank you. Tell your friends no. uh, and and don't don't reread it. Uh, <laughs> there's no need. You, if you, you like you, it, you, it's fine. You know, it's just it's not my cup of tea and. It's it's like it's not that I have anything particular against Mark Miller. He has stuff that he's done that I really like. I just think that if he focused more sometimes on bringing heart to his stories, and I don't mean making them hopeful, I, I don't mean making them saccharine, just bring something to the forefront for uh an audience member to connect to you know i'd settle for a likable character (laughs) yeah it it is tough when you don't have any likable characters and something but you know it's it's sort of the same thing that we saw in wanted where nobody was anybody that i wanted to root for but then as soon as mr rictus shows up it's like well i'm not rooting for anyone but i'm definitely rooting against that guy truth you know um 
And I feel like that's sort of the same thing they were trying to go for a bit with Nemesis. It's like, uh, you're not necessarily rooting for Morrow to win. You, you, you're more rooting for Nemesis to fail. Uh, it's a it's a subtle but distinct difference, and that's the only subtlety that is involved in this fucking story whatsoever. Yeah, I I feel like there's so much of it that doesn't matter. Like the ending doesn't matter, the plot doesn't matter, the motivation doesn't matter. So it's like I I just had such problems with that. And yeah, you know, I mean, read it, read it or don't. You know, it's it's one of those things. that's like I won't discourage someone, and I'm not gonna like ridicule you if you do like it but i mean if you ask my honest opinion on this it'd be like don't read it i pro i promise um on on the next episode of comics paradox uh we'll we'll cover something uh better um whether it's miller or not you'll find out but, <laughs> like uh, really who else an old man fashioning a canoe out of a log <laughs> <laughs> rip taylor yeah rip taylor <laughs> He he said he was a rock musician, but I, I I heard he played a record for me, and I it's like, oh, you're more of a crooner. <laughs> it's like he said, my name is Jim Morrison, and I said, sorry, I'm not familiar with your work. <laughs> I loved him showing up on the Bloodhound Gangs album. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> hey everyone, it's me. Da 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 da. I bet you're asking yourself right now, why did I show up on the Bloodhound Gang's album? It's a simple answer, kiddies. Money! <laughs> That's right, Dollarini's American Cashito. Yeah, the devil! <laughs> <laughs> Fucking love it. But uh, anyway, we'll, uh, we'll yeah, do yeah. Our, 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 our outro and egress here. Um, I will uh, go ahead, Justin, say, say your thing first, and I'll, I'll wrap it up. Buy your shirts on T Public. Comics, C-O-M-I-X, Paradox, P-A-R-A-D-O-X. Buy yes. our shirts. <laughs> also, our fantastic coffee mugs. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. So um, you, you can check me out on my other show, Epic Tales from the Sewer. It's a show that's about everything Ninja Turtles. We do uh, where we read the comics, also interviews and such like that. We even have the creator, uh, one, one half of the uh, creator team, uh, Kevin Eastman on the show. So check us out there. Any any place that you find podcasts or at epictalesfromthesewers.com. Other show, other show is called Generation Playlist. It's all about music. We pick out an artist or a genre and then create a customized playlist, a bespoke playlist, if you will, just for you, the listener. And then every other week we have our other show, which is all about Batman with two people who love Batman and Brandon. <laughs> so you can check this out, The Dork Knight. It's bi-weekly, also on the Dorkening, and check out our other great Dorkening shows. Absolutely, uh, and yes, aside from uh, the Dork Night, which uh, we have a lot of fun on that. I have fun, and Justin and Leo talk about Batman. Very <laughs> I which guess is it's also fun thing. for us. Yeah, so. it's the same thing on either side. Uh, but yeah, uh, if if you wanna if you wanna check out more of what we have going on for this show, uh, please go to comicsparadox.com. Uh, if you stop by there, we we have all the shows you can listen to. Uh, but also, please feel free to uh, throw a message. Uh, you can either you can send one, or you can even on the website record a voicemail and send it. Um, I if you do record a voicemail, I will I will you know depending on what it is you say. If you call me a fucking prick, I, I probably not. But uh, I would love to. I'll, I'll play it, and we can hear what questions you might have, or listen to uh, requests that that. 
or you know things that you might want to hear us talk about um you know throw throw suggestions at us i have plenty of stuff lined up but i am always willing to hear what uh anybody else out there might might want to hear i bet they want more amalgam books that's what i bet yeah, well, as I've said like five billion fucking times, there's only twenty-four of those books. Yeah, we're gonna make them last. <laughs> so we're we're really stretching it out. We've covered four. We get twenty left, and out of those twenty left, they're not all winners. Just saying. Um, I'm looking at you, I, Iron Lantern. <laughs> look, I, I'm just saying. I knew you were gonna pull that up, and I'm just saying. Paul Smith art is legendary. And how yeah. dare you, sir? How dare you? Yeah, spoken exactly like a fucking Marvel kid. I swear to God, dude. I love Paul Smith artwork. <laughs> yeah, artwork is great, but so is story. I mean, Bruce Wayne, Agent We're of not Shield. talking about story. We're talking looked, about artwork. It looked pretty good, but like when you start <laughs> looking at it harder story-wise, uh, you know, in comparison, it's fucking terrible. I was gonna look and see who wrote that one, but any anyway, whatever. We'll get yeah, there. Um, we'll get there. Yeah, com- go to comicsparadox.com and uh, you know, drop us a line. Let us uh, let us know if there's uh, anything that you want to hear us talk about. Uh, you can check me out on the Midweek Geeks show on the Dorkening. Uh, we go live every Wednesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, if you feel so inclined, come on over to Facebook and check out the Powers Combined group. Uh, we're just a consortium of dorks that like to get together and share news, jokes, memes, good times and laughs to be had by all. Our number one rule there is don't be a jerk. If you violate that, you will be booted immediately. Uh, and aside from that, I'm, I'm trying to think. Oh, yeah. Uh, like Justin said, uh, head over to tpublic.com. Uh, just started uh, making some comics paradox shirts and and other you know merchandise uh justin is rocking his car co- i don't know how you got your shirt before i got my shirt i, I don't know i bought two so, of them. i don't know so, so frustrating yeah. dude uh mine's not gonna get here until thursday but uh yeah. i do i do have my 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 mug that I've i been, saw it yeah it uh, looks really good with, with that blue color behind it matches your yep. hat and your shirt sure, right yeah i mean i picked this color on purpose for the the uh my other shirt background. is that color actually yeah, yeah, I I felt like it made sense. Yeah, um, it's just super soft Heather shirts. You should check them out. Yeah, and uh, we we have a lot of stuff on the Dorkening Podcast Network. Uh, over forty shows there, covering a, a wide range of topics so with a, a bunch of different personalities. Uh, something there for everybody. Um, and you know, you can you can find any of those uh, for the most part wherever fine broadcast fine podcast or broadcast um but you know you, you can you can stop by the website the dorkening.com the dorkening podcast podcast network.com they're on youtube as well and uh other than that you know thanks for listening and we'll catch you all on the flip-flop bye